three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Welcome to Roots of Reality. I'm your host, Ben Bauman, and today I'm going to be talking about Phase 13, the rebirth of knowledge in Europe. But before we discuss the rebirth of knowledge in Europe and how it came about, we first must talk about the decline of knowledge in the Islamic world, which would ultimately set the stage for Europe to replace the Islamic world as the world leader of innovation and learning. So the decline of the Muslim world, which was the former center of world knowledge in medieval times, was caused by various changes in the Muslim world that were detrimental to their continual dominance when it comes to scientific inquiry. For instance, these issues included infighting among different Muslim populations, invasions from Europe and Asia, as well as the rise of more conservative and strict interpretations of Islam, which made the Islamic faith less open to scientific ideas. Also, in general, there was just less interest among Muslim leaders in the sciences. Thus, as scientific inquiry declined in the Muslim world, Europeans had a resurgence of interest in knowledge and learning that had slowly been recovering since the fall of the Roman Empire. For instance, the classic works from the ancient Greco-Roman world began to be read and studied more and more frequently over the centuries after the collapse of Rome, and the knowledge that the Islamic world had gained in that time would eventually be adopted by the European societies. This, on top of the rise of powerful and wealthy global trade-based European empires, and of course the invention of the printing press, which allowed for the rapid spread of knowledge across Europe, resulted in a renewed and more powerful than ever European-based center of knowledge. And this era in history is known as the Scientific Revolution. But it was more than just scientific inquiry in this era that would advance. In general, it was the re-emergence of the quest to understand life, in various fields, whether it was through art, philosophy, or science. Therefore, to highlight the various subjects that were explored and improved by Europe in this time, I will highlight some of the most influential people from this phase in history. First, we have the Italian artist Leonardo da Vinci, who painted some of the most famous works of art known to humankind, like The Last Supper and The Mona Lisa, as well as The Vitruvian Man. In addition, one of his biggest passions in the field of art for him was the drawing of scientific illustrations, which focused on human anatomy. In fact, his drawings were so successful that they would go on to create the basic principles of scientific illustration. Next, we turn to the field of astronomy, where the human understanding regarding our place in the universe would change forever. And this would begin with the Polish astronomer Nicholas Copernicus, who would revive the idea, which traces back to ancient Greece known as heliocentric theory, which essentially states that the Earth and the other planets revolve around the Sun, rather than the Sun and the other planets revolving around the Earth, also known as geocentric theory. And this idea was not at all popular at the time, because at the time, since the ancient Greco-Roman world, people had believed that the Earth was the center of the universe. Thus, the ideas of Copernicus would not change anyone's minds, but it would set the stage for others to prove his ideas later. Which then brings us to the Italian astronomer Galileo Galilei. Galileo would build off of Copernicus's work 
using a new innovation called the telescope, which he improved and modified once he heard about its invention. And using the telescope, he made crucial observations which would completely alter the understanding of the universe and ultimately help debunk the idea of geocentric theory. Thus, one of his main observations were that the planet Jupiter had moons revolving around it, which directly contradicted the idea that the Earth was being revolved by all celestial bodies in the universe. Then, in addition to Galileo, there was the German astronomer Johannes Kepler, who gave another big blow to the Earth-centric theory using astronomical measurements calculated by the Danish astronomer Tycho Brahe and his own geometrical illustrations. Therefore, Kepler, using these, came up with equations to create the three laws of planetary motion which portrayed and predicted how the planets in the solar system revolved around the sun in elliptical movements. Despite this significant development, though, Kepler was not able to determine the cause of this planetary motion. But then came along someone who would completely change our understanding of the universe. And this was Isaac Newton, who would build off of the work of Johannes Kepler by finally putting an end scientifically to the notion of an Earth-centered universe. And Newton did this by going beyond what Kepler did to discover the laws of motion for all things, not just the planets. Because he discovered that no matter whether it was in space or on Earth, everything follows the same basic rules for motion. And after determining this, Newton will go on to make one of the greatest discoveries in the history of our species, the law of gravity. And he did this by studying the movements of celestial bodies, for which he was able to calculate and show that all matter exerts a force, which he called gravity, that pulls all other matter towards its center. Thus, the strength of the force depends on the mass of the object, and the amount of matter that makes up an object. Therefore, he determined that the Earth orbits the Sun because the Sun has more matter than Earth, and therefore the gravity of the Sun, because it has more mass, makes the Earth orbit it. This was all proven by his prediction of the movement of a comet, which followed the same laws of motion and gravity as all other celestial bodies, and as it was being observed, followed the rules that Newton set forth. Finally, to finish off this phase, we turn to political philosophy where the English philosopher John Locke would greatly expand the concept of democracy. And he did this by arguing that all people had a natural right by birth to be free, have equality, and to own property. He also argued that people should agree to a social contract with their government, where they give up some of their rights and freedoms in order to create a more stable society where the government protects their rights. This was an expansion of earlier democratic beliefs coming out of the Greco-Roman world, where democracy did not apply to all people. In fact, Locke expanded on his ideas even further, declaring that a government should be broken up into three distinctive parts, the executive, legislative, and judicial powers. Lastly, Locke also came up with the idea of a separation between church and state to prevent the religious oppression of the state on the people who have differing religious beliefs in the state. And as a result, Locke was a monumental figure when it came to expanding democratic values. Therefore, when we look back at this phase and we think about all the things that happened at this time, I think the rebirth of knowledge in Europe should serve as a great reminder of the twists and turns of history and how the world changes. Because the leaders of advancement in the world may change over time. It could be this country one year, and then 50 years later, it's a new country. But overall, 
we are still part of the same human story of inquiry, seeking the truth in our mysterious universe. And that's what unites us all. Therefore, as always, remember, billions of years led to you, so make the most of it.